Good evening, Patriots. And it's Monday, October 31st, in what I'm calling Kingdom Day, because we're taking it back for the kingdom. And in the East Coast, you've already moved through the 31st, but are now entering into the dark early hours of where all this blood sacrifice starts happening. So pray. There's a lot of things that are going to happen in the next 12 hours that are really ugly. Before we begin, remember that we are in an unstable time, and in this unstable time, we have to do what we can to secure and protect the hard-earned wealth, which is stewarding our wealth as God would want us to, moving it from an insolvent and worthless paper into something of tangible and that's tangible and secure. That's why we have Birch Gold. Patriots, as you know, the stock market has been in absolute turmoil. And with that also comes an increase in the consumer price index. Inflation is on the rise. So if you're wondering what our illustrious leader is doing to quell the surge of inflation that's destroying American families, you know as well as I do. They're spending more money and adding more burden to the debt, effectively nothing. Don't bury your head in the sand while your savings get decimated. Do something about it. Text BARDS to 989898. Birch Gold will send you a free info kit on protecting your savings with gold in a tax-sheltered account. These are great people with almost 20 years experience converting IRAs and 401ks into precious metals IRAs. Don't allow the left to devalue your savings. Text BARDS to 989898 and claim your free, no-obligation info kit from Birch Gold. Again, you can own physical gold and silver in a tax-sheltered retirement account, and Birch Gold will help you do it. Birch Gold has an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, countless five-star reviews, and thousands of satisfied customers. Check them out. Text BARDS to 989898. Again, that's BARDS to 989898. And secure your future with Birch Gold. Do it today. There you go. Birch Gold. Text 989898 and text the word BARDS, and you've got it, and they'll get you what you need. I just I want to begin by reading you something I thought was really profound. And this is, was written by C.S. Lewis in 1942. So here we go. Young man to the devil. How did you manage to send so many people to hell, he asks. The devil, through fear. The young man says, good for you. And what were you they afraid of? Wars? Hunger? The devil says, no. Illness. The young man says, did they get sick? Did they die? Was there no cure? The devil says, they didn't get sick. They just died, and there was a cure. The young man says, I do not understand. The devil responds, they believed that the only thing they had to keep at all costs was life. They stopped hugging stopped greeting each other. They left all human contacts. They left everything that was human. They ran out of money. They lost their jobs. They chose to fear for their lives, even if they had nothing to eat. They believed what they heard, read newspapers, and blindly believed they were reading the truth. They gave up their freedom. They never left their home again. They didn't go anywhere. They never visited friends and family again. The whole world has become a huge prison with with convicted volunteers. They voluntarily accepted everything. All this to experience another miserable day. They did not live. They died every day. It was too easy to take away their miserable souls. C.S. Lewis wrote that in 1942 in what was called Letters to the soul master. This is kind of pretty much not kind of, that is the world we live in. And we keep getting it wrong. And we have to start getting it right. There's five fundamental principles to get back in relationship to the kingdom and to walk as representatives to the kingdom. Accept Jesus and repent. Forgive and love thy neighbor. Walk and choose to walk with humility. 
walk fearlessly, and love endlessly. Those are the key elements to all of this. You know, it's a few weeks ago when I first went down to Yuba. And I was driving along and was having this conversation with Jesus. And he says to me, he says, you, you understand intellectually what agape love is like. But the blockage in your heart is preventing you from experiencing and learning what the love of kingdom will bring you. And so over the last few weeks with the things that I've witnessed with men who had been hard in prison for years that absolutely were in love with Jesus strengthened by the tears at the at the base of of the altar last week and we spent all week in spiritual warfare where once again, the battle space becomes clear in my head. See, God does not create evil people. I don't know where we, we end up getting this message, and it's so wrong. Because we look at our neighbors and we say, oh, I can't stand him, man. He's, he's just, he's wicked. He's a pain. I hear this a lot. My neighbors are all blue. I can't stand them. First of all, we're going to have some differences in the one body because we're supposed to. God's not making an army of clones. You can watch that on Star Wars sometime. There's a series on that. God isn't making clones. He's making beautiful people in his image. And with that, as we come to this world, just watch babies. And babies generally get along because they're unpolluted yet by this nonsense of this world. But as we grow and we start to establish what we think is right and what we think is absolute and what we think that we're better than somebody else, we start to drift apart. And then we listen to the whispers. And the whispers tell us things like, he's a racist. She's ugly. You're fat. You need to do your hair differently. It doesn't look good. You need to get a better job because people aren't going to respect you. You need to get a better house. This is a, this is a dump. Your car is old. You need to get a new car. You see all these whispers, they just keep coming in. And then you hear things like this. I can fix it for you. How about a new credit card? How about a line of credit? How about finance that new car? How about a low interest, variable interest loan for a new house? It's just debt. We'll make it, we'll make it affordable. We'll just extend it over 20 years, five years, 30 years, whatever it is. Don't worry about it. You'll be just fine. Keep those payments manageable. Need a new phone? Don't worry. They're $1,300, but we'll make it easy on you. We'll make payments over four years. See, all these little things. And as the, we do these things, we listen and we wear ourselves down. And we begin to believe that we're part of this world, that we're anchored in this world. And then we look around at, our, at this meat sack we live in and we say, oh my goodness. What is this? What type of world is this? What did God put me in? And then things go wrong and we say, oh, God, fix it for me. Please help me, God. We go to church on a Sunday. We say, oh, I feel so much better. But we know in the back of our head that if we go through the week, we're going to do something stupid. But we're okay because we'll just kind of get refreshed at the every week and We'll just be there every week with some money in the offering plate and we'll tell God, I'm sorry for what I did. Forgive me. I'll, I'll try to do better. We know that we're lying when we say it. Every person that goes through that knows that they're lying. But it's the, I'm doing the best I can. 
as if heaven is, has a negotiation on this subject of sin. I didn't mean to sin so much, Father. Didn't mean to do quite so bad as I did. We're made in his image. And as a result of being made in his image, we're made into the perfection of his image. But in here, down here, we're exposed on this dirt world that we live in. We're surrounded by powerful forces of evil. We're no longer in the garden. And the entire objective of these forces of evil is to steer us away from God, to make us believe that we are inferior, to make us believe that sin is just something that we have to live with because we're not worthy. Oh, and it's infected the churches. Satan lives pretty heavily within the churches these days. And that message just kind of gets recycled. And it gets recycled over and over to where we believe it. And then pretty soon you have churches, like most churches in the nation, that start to say things like, okay, well, you know what? Since we're in a post-Christian era and we're trying to expand our flocks again, and we see that there's a lot of change in the culture, we're going to have to start embracing the uniqueness of each person and child. And so we welcome you, and you can even be a pastor in our, in our church if you are gay or you're lesbian or you're transgender. You don't believe me on that? Check the new bylaws in the Baptist co- Coalition. Check the, what the Methodist Church is already doing. And further and further, we cast God out of our lives, and the churches proclaim that we're in a post-Christian era. Not all, because the ones that are there that are fighting like crazy are fighting like crazy. Trust me. And they're doing a great job of fighting. Someone just asked what specific church. I'm not going to call out specific churches. I've told you that a hundred times. They're all over. Just walk around your neighborhood. Find them. They're there. And so this is the way. Because once the church is proclaimed that we are in a post-Christian era, they proclaimed that God was no longer here when God never said that. We had literally thousands of churches close their doors during COVID. Those churches, hopefully, will never open again. They turned their back on God and their responsibility to their congregation. So, we have a choice to make. It's a rather profound choice. And it's not a difficult choice. And it goes back to the simple things of repent and accept Jesus. Forgive and love thy neighbor. Walk fearlessly because you can't have faith and walk with fear. That's a, that's a contradiction and a sin. Choose to be humble and humble yourself before God by your choice. And love endlessly. And when we start to do that and we start to reach to Father, we start to hear the power of the voice of Father. And as that happens, we start to once again walk in that place of kingdom authority. We have tremendous authority in this realm. How many times have I read Luke ten nineteen? Behold, I have given you authority. This is red letter language. Behold, I have given you authority to walk on snakes and scorpions and authority over all the power of the enemy and nothing will injure you. The question is, do you believe it? And the question is, are you doing what you must to live it and to receive it? John fourteen twelve takes it further. Truly, truly, I say to you, the one who believes in me the works that I do, he will do also. 
and greater works than these he will do because I am going to the Father. Do you believe those words? And do you live in the way to in bring the gift of those words, the blessing of those words into your life? Simple questions. Because if, if you read those words and you say that, no, that's not what they mean, I would really challenge you on that because it's what Christ said. And the problem is there's a lot of resistance to wanting to believe that because of the propaganda that permeates through so much of our nation that we are unworthy. And unworthiness isn't limited to the walls of the church. It's within every aspect of our culture. Unworthiness is at the root of critical race theory. Unworthiness is at the root of queer theory. Unworthiness is at the root of materialism. Because you're not going to buy things in a material world unless you feel inferior to somebody else. Unworthiness is one of the most powerful seeds that Satan has sown into this culture, and people believe it. And it's all around us. Take a listen to this piece. What do London, Vatican City, and Washington, D.C. all have in common? Well, quite a few things, actually. These are different branches of control for the world elite to enforce a one-world, new-world order. London is the world financial center, Vatican City is for world religion, and Washington, D.C. is for the military. You can also see each entity has an Egyptian obelisk within their centers. This actually is the sexual organ of the false Egyptian god Osiris. In Washington, D.C. and Vatican City, they also have a dome close by, which represents the pregnant stomach of Isis, another Egyptian false god. When ceremonies are done at the Capitol building or Vatican City, the occultists who have worked their way into the systems believe that they are calling forth Apollo to be resurrected. That's why the presidential inauguration and announcing of the new pope are done by these two structures. It's to enact a type of ritual in which their goal is to have Apollo birthed through the obelisk and pregnant stomach dome. The occultists in control are hoping to fulfill Revelation 9-11, which states, and they had as king over them the angel of the bottomless pit, whose name in Hebrew is Abaddon, but in Greek he has the name Apollyon or Apollo. Apollyon or Apollo. You see, the the entire world that we're living in is a world that has been fabricated around an occult structure. We are given the illusions of nation states. We are given the illusions of freedom through debt. We are given the illusions of happiness through material wealth and possession. And all those, the powers that sit behind have a singular objective to corrupt, enslave, and destroy God's creation. How did we get here? Part of the reason we got here is because we stopped believing in the supernatural. We stopped believing in anything but what was in the physical material world. And then it was easy because they could tell you things like Darwin, like we were a bunch of polywogs sitting in a pond somewhere that one day grew a bunch of feet and walked out and then started slurping on worms and apparently grew up to have furry backs and furry bodies that had two-legged bipedal beings that we could walk around and grow up to be human beings just because there was a bunch of primordial goo sitting at the right temperature in the right pond in the right place. Or how did monkeys, how did this human population expand? Because when they were primate primitives, they jumped on a wood raft and rowed themselves across the Atlantic to get to other parts of the world where they prospered brilliantly. I mean, these are real theories, all rooted in Darwinism, which is all a bunch of nonsense. And they've done it effectively because they have conditioned people to stop believing in the supernatural. 
And as I said in the previous show, which is so important, and you're going to hear this theme a lot, the occult starts in the supernatural to manifest their powers in the physical. Christians start in the physical, consume their material things, get guilty, turn to God for guidance to steer within the material world, try to figure out what it is in the material world that they have too much of or too less of, and then they throw in there somewhere that, oh, it will be so great when we get to heaven because we'll once again be reunited with our family in the spiritual realm. I have literally sat through discussions with Christians talking about the great reunion that's going to happen when they go to heaven. They walk in gold streets and there's gold everywhere and they're all reunited with their family and they're all going to have big banquets and parties and they're all going to be playing games and it's all going to be wonderful and lovely. I really have scoured the Bible for that. I haven't found one bit of evidence for it. But apparently, they're reading a version of the Bible I've never seen. Our strength comes from our true belief in Jesus. And that means as we push into him, that we go back to those fundamentals, repent and accept Christ in your life, forgive and love thy neighbor, live fearlessly, Choose to walk with humility because God's not going to give you humility. That's a choice you have to make and love endlessly. And when you do that and you start to realize that God is not making demons, he's not making evil people, he's making beautiful people that have become infected by a parasitic world of dark influences and the only way they can be restored ultimately is through their same process to accept Jesus and repent, to forgive and love thy neighbor, to walk fearlessly, to walk humbly, and to love endlessly. The equation's simple, but boy, do we make it complicated. And in this process, people are being, have to go through this process in order so that they can be freed, they can remain free, and in the process help others become free. Because right now we are surrounded by a dark, aggressive, violent at times, demonic force that wants to do nothing but may ensure that we don't get to heaven. And so our fight back, our armor is built around those fundamental things. And once we put on that armor and we are living in the word of God, we are the mighty beings of Christ and of Father God on this earth. Christ was given the heaven and the earth, and the earth was given to the sons and men of God. And so, if you want to take it into a simple vernacular, we've been deputized under Christ to walk here in with kingdom authority. And yet we shirk back at everything. Today is a great example of this. I played that piece earlier where literally people are saying, the guy's saying, we must, as Christians, we must step away from evil. We must protect our families. I'm like, what is this? Since when do we shirk from evil? Since when do we cower in front of evil? We've been given the most mighty power we've ever given, but one could ever have. Christ is sacrificed on the cross. The blood of the cross has sealed the contract to ensure that we have been forgiven for our sins. Now we have to live into that and continue to repent as we go. But here's that thing again. Because whether it's from the pulpit or whether it's in culture, the programming is consistent. We are not worthy. That is the biggest lie out there. We are not worthy. And what it becomes is this little jingle, because you'll run into it. People will be like, 
I'm, I'm so unworthy. And what they're really saying is I'm more worthy than you because I can say in front of God, I am unworthy. So I'm more, I'm more worthy of heaven than you. This is nonsense. And in all of our arrogance, we also continue to anthropomorphize God, meaning we make him human. So we try to look at God like he's going to judge as we would judge others. God doesn't judge that way. He's greater and mightier than anything we can imagine. And he grows with us and loves us. So we're quick to condemn. Oh, we're always fast to condemn. And if someone varies off of one way or a little other way, we'll call it heretic. And pretty soon, all you know, you've got a whole batch of people you're pointing the finger at that are supposedly going to go burn in the lake of fire. And all the while, we're not doing our job by engaging and bringing to them the examples of walking in Jesus and repenting, forgiving and loving our neighbor, walking fearlessly, choosing humility as the walk in our life and loving endlessly. But as long as we've got Facebook and we've got social media and Twitter, and we've got a great way of just throwing all sorts of stones. And as we throw the stones, it's sure as easy to cast the stones and it feels good because we can prop ourselves up, whether it's ourself, whether it's our church or whether it's whatever it is out here, our, our little social groups. And we can talk about how great we are how righteous we are, and we're not doing the effective job in kingdom, which is to repent and to accept Jesus, to forgive, and to love our neighbor, to walk fearlessly, to be humble, and to love endlessly. And those are mighty tools of the sword of the Spirit. And with that, we're living in the Word. All of this builds a whole society that we're around right now that literally just sucks the lifeblood out of people. And as it sucks the lifeblood out of people and it's a vampiric effect, people just draw down. They lose the relationship of the power of love because love becomes what? It becomes corporal love, which is sex. And if you haven't noticed, everything in the occult is built around sex. It's all fabricated around sex and blood sacrifice. That's their power and energy because that is of this world. And the inheritance that we receive is so far and beyond any of that. I can assure, I can say these statements with with absolute assurance The moment that we touch the true power of our inheritance, we will literally be humbled, if not brokenhearted, as to how much time we wasted in the stupid trivial of this world when we could have been living in the power of kingdom, seeking it and walking it and bringing greatness to this earth. But it's never too late. That's the beauty of that statement. Because that's what we're pursuing. And as we pursue that power, and as we pursue that tight and beautiful relationship, it is not something you have to earn in the sense of like, I don't have to get bonus points for it, and I'm not going to get any more bonus points than somebody else. It's a state of being as we repent, accept Jesus, forgive and love thy neighbor, Walk fearlessly, choose to be humble in our walk. And I say choice because, again, God's not giving us that. That's our choice to seek the humility in our life and to love endlessly. Evil can't withstand it. And we become truly those powerful examples that are not tied to the dynamics and craziness of the latest headline of the day. And we build an impenetrable armor around us that evil cannot enter in. And we're still going to make mistakes. But what we forget about sin is that sin is also a contract in the spiritual realm. When we sin, and whether we do it because we are not knowing of something or because we are 
doing it because we're just, because it's a pleasure we do. It's far greater than just the fact we did something wrong in the eyes of Father. This creates an opening to be influenced heavily in the demonic realm. This is where the occult worships. It worships in the places that they can enter and penetrate the weaknesses of those that don't appreciate the power of their God. Our God, we don't appreciate their God. They worship ruthlessly. And if you want to compare the practices and discipline of the practice, the occult does a far greater job of worshiping Satan than we do on worshiping and following the greatest and most powerful force in the universe, the one God, the true God, the God of hosts, which is stunning to me. And if you talk to people in the occult, they will tell you the same thing. It's like they literally are just like, it's unbelievable. You have everything in your God, and yet you choose not to live by him and gain all the gifts and tremendous power of kingdom. We live with Satan, and we have greater power than you because you let us have power over you. We have this day, the 31st of the month. How many people do I hear like, oh, I hate Halloween. As we did today in prayer. I just said today for me, and I'm putting it out there. You join me if you want. This day becomes kingdom day. Why? Because when we walk in kingdom and we walk with that power and that authority, we truly have the authority to reclaim it. But we shirk back. And we cower back. We hear some dictate coming from some retarded governor. You must wear a mask. And we say, I don't want to wear a mask. I don't want to do this. They have no authority over me. Unless God has told me, you must wear a mask, it's like no one has that authority. And yet, every time we shirk back and give authority, we are turning our authority from God by our choice and giving it to some human thing. Thing is probably appropriate because most of them are a confused gender anyway, so I don't know what they are. And I don't know that there's a... I, that ranks on one of the top blasphemies out there. When a church closes its door because a dictate of a government tells it to shut, they have literally turned their back on the authority of God and shut God's house because a man dictated to them to shut their doors. That's heretic. And a church that does that deserves to keep its doors shut. We have to reinvigorate the foundational and powerful formations of what we are as we walk in this world. And so with all of the excitement around things, looking at what's going to happen, the headlines of the day, the attacks on schools, whatever, We aren't invoking the power of kingdom. And in so doing, we're stepping away from much of the authority that we were given. I want to play something for you here because I've not heard anybody else use this sort of wording as this man did in at a school the board. Last, Take a listen. The last name is Amon Chukwu. Thank you very much for correcting me, Mr. Amon Chukwu. Yes, no problem. Thank it you. means I know God. Um, Luke chapter 17 and two says that it's better for a person to have a millstone tied around their neck and to be thrown into the sea than for anyone to harm or damage a child. And so the question today to the school board is only, you know, whether or not your role, the policies, the curriculum and the things that you allow in this school system in Wake County, only you know whether or not a millstone is tied around your neck. The reality is this. God is going to judge every last one of you for decisions that are made on behalf of children. You know, this past year we spent $1 million on a 
diversity office. And how did that benefit black children? How did it benefit children in general? Well, 78% of third through eighth grade black students are not proficient in math in Wake County. We're wasting taxpayer dollars putting money towards this diversity office that's not benefiting those who need it the most. 66% of third through eighth grade students are not proficient in reading. Black students, they're not reading on grade level. They're not performing mathematically and they're not going to be able to get jobs in the fields like STEM. But we're wasting money on a diversity, equity, and inclusion office while we are failing black students in the name of diversity. You know, in the Jim Crow era, black students were locked out of the public school system. But today they are trapped in. And many of these students need options. They need school choice. They need the opportunity to take their taxpayer dollars and take it to school systems that will benefit them and support them and educate them. And as we talk about inclusion and making sure that the trans student feels comfortable and the queer student feels comfortable, what does that have to do with reading, writing, and arithmetic? As we are in, oh, as we as we are teaching cultural Marxism and grooming children to be the next pervert, we are damaging our kids in this public school system, and it needs to stop. Yeah, they cut him off. Point is that he was using it. Point is that he was invoking scripture, which is a, a critical piece. We're dealing with a dark demonic element here. And we're coming in ill-prepared because, again, we're trying to work from the physical into the spiritual, and we're not starting in the spiritual to bring it into this physical realm. And this is the inversion that we've been sold the bag of goods on. We are starting, when we start in prayer and we're moving in prayer, and we're starting from those foundations of repentance and loving Christ, we're bringing in powerful tools. And when we're t- stepping into that space with the blessings that come from Jesus, we're stepping in with the authority of kingdom. But we're not living that way. And it's like, well, let's see. I want to figure out what my next great purchase is going to be. I want to figure out what my next great house is going to be. What my, all these things that mean nothing. And then we're like, well, I don't just, I don't understand why I, you know, I don't get connected with God. I don't get this. I don't, I don't feel real connected. I don't feel like I've got those magical powers, whatever. There's no magic involved. And it's no preference. Like you have to do something special. It's the purifying of the heart, the humbling of the spirit. It's truly walking humbly in such a way that you are one in Jesus and one with Father God and letting the authority move through you. This war is truly a spiritual war and it's a powerful war that we're facing because we're facing true demons. This is a ruthless fight and the occult is everywhere and they're aggressive. One of our great members of our online group said earlier tonight, we are living out the realities of our sins. This is absolutely true. Because as we sin and we do not repent, we are allowing, we are giving authority to the demonic to manifest in the many, many ways it does because we haven't repented, we haven't put up that, broken that contract, and we've bypassed the greatest gift one could ever have. Christ gave us forgiveness for our sins on the conditions that we accept him 
are reborn in that process and that we repent. And that's only the beginning. Because when you do that and you're like, okay, I'm all done, it's not like that. It's a process of a lifelong process of a pursuit. But right now we're seeing the wages of sin around us in this world. And it's not because God's punishing us. It's because we're, we've been too stupid to figure out that we did it to ourselves. And the only way through that then is to have those that are mighty within the kingdom, mighty within our hearts, to be stronger than ever, to seek deep within that pursuit of our love in Jesus, to seek deeply within the process of repentance, to seek deeply within that walk of fearlessness, to seek deeply within our forgiveness in our heart. And remembering forgiveness is not justice, it's mercy. And to allow our issues to be brought to the courts of heaven, to stand mightily in front of this, to let God guide us and to understand that what we're looking at, and this is where we get so confused because we look at somebody and go, hey, that dude's pure evil. Why is he evil? And the simple answer is always going to be, well, he doesn't have Christ in his heart. Okay. What does that mean? It means he's been corrupted by the demonic that is so rampant in this world. God didn't make him evil to be your evil neighbor. God didn't make him or her evil to torment you. But along the way, for whatever reason that has happened in their life, trauma, lack of exposure to a true relationship with Christ, whatever that is, they've been steered into the darkest of places. And when we start to realize where the true enemy sits, because the true enemy is not sitting in the flesh, it's sitting within the influence of the flesh, it now becomes deeply compassionate and able to pray for them, to pray that they will be brought to that place of healing and experiencing Jesus. And in the process, all that around us becomes possible to love our neighbor and forgive We have to. There is such a thing as pure evil, but most of us don't have it living next to us. There's a guy I met down in California a while back. I I just give him tons of credit. Like I give a lot of people credit that do tough things. And as you know, I've spent time in my life. I've met with really bad people people that like to set bombs and blow people up, people that traffic kids and do it to make money and them for their own pleasure, people that like to cut the heads off of other people, that sort of stuff. So when I meet other people that are doing this here, I always give them a tip of the hat. This young man was from the Bay Area. He went into the inner cities in Chicago and brought the love of Jesus there. He prayed with gang members. He got into the streets, got into the places where there were gun violence. And he walked boldly with the sword of the spirit. That sort of work is what we're talking about. And ultimately we're bringing deliverance to these folks to free them from the influences to bring them to the altar and put them at the feet of Christ to accept Jesus to find the healing that they need deep within their heart and their soul so that they can repent and walk that same path and the testimony to that is when you see people go through coming from the darkest of sides to arrive in such a place that they can truly walk with love in their heart you understand white witness before you as most of us should have seen by now the power and love that Jesus brings into this world. But we're not going to win it flesh to flesh. And it's going to take a tremendous power of prayer and a tremendous commitment on our behalf to walk fearlessly 
to walk fearlessly. To go to those places where God leads us, no matter what it is, and to do so dutifully. If God tells you to go walk the Golden Gate Bridge from one end to the other and pray a bloodline on it, do it. And you're going to have a whole bunch of people that go to church and are going to tilt your head like you're going to be like, what the heck is wrong with you? God told me to go walk and pray. And here's the simple answer to all that. We're supposed to pray about everything. And yet we like to make a lot of discussion about nothing. But we're supposed to, about, supposed to pray about everything. And we love to cast stones. We're good at it. Social media feeds it. But the true nature and depth of who we are in humbleness and forgiveness is to obey what God puts in our heart and as we have difference to sit before each other, to break bread, to discuss our differences. And if we have a dispute that remains, to take it to the courts of heaven. But the public forum out here is not the place to disparage people. And it doesn't do anything to seed the love, that infinite love that we need to be bringing into this world. We are such mighty beings of kingdom. We are. We're incredible. God made us. And we're growing. And we're going to make mistakes. And we're going to stumble. And we have that amazing thing. Repentance given to us through the blood on the cross. Amazing times we live in. Times where we have to start realizing how much of our life has been woven and sown by an occult. How many holidays were created so that we would be thinking we're worshiping one thing so that they in fact were controlling the game so we're actually celebrating with them on their sacred days. But all of that, as we open our eyes, we can just defy. We can defy not just because we're defying, but we can defy because it's the righteousness given to us by the authority of kingdom. We are truly the products of the one God. And our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, has given us amazing authority here. Again, Luke 10, 19 and John 14, 12. Do you believe them? And do you live into them to make them become reality? Let's pray. Father God, we come to you and choose to put ourselves humbly before you. And in this place, we pray truly for a world that has allowed itself to be influenced, weakened, and submissive to the tools of the enemy. A world that has been taught in so many levels that we're unworthy. A world that has been conditioned to believe that differences must be solved, not by sitting across from one another and having discussions of the heart and for the pursuit of the unity in kingdom, but rather to stand our ground, to argue our hardline points, to let our egos infect and empower division. We've sucked into so many of these lies. And so, Father, we just pray now that in these prayers that we have each day, that we will start seeking the voice of wisdom that only you can provide, the understanding of loving infinitely, the power of forgiveness, the walk of humility, the nature of fearlessness, and the core of the power of accepting Jesus and repenting in a deep, deep way. 
As we make each of these steps, let us seek the blood of the cross to heal and to seal. To heal the wounds and to seal the armor. And let us claim and reclaim that true understanding of what kingdom authority is as we walk in this world. Guide us and protect us. And we say these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. There is so much that we can do in this world and so much change we can make when we start to truly embrace the power of agape love. That's the only real word we have of it. I struggle with it because that word is... The way we use that word love, it's not love that I, it's not the fact that I don't embrace it. It's that we always default to some version of porn or physical sexuality. And that's not where we're going. Because that power that Christ brings in love is so overwhelming. It is so neutralizing of evil. It is so expunging of the, of the demonic that it literally destroys any force that Satan tries to deliver, weakens it, crushes it, shrinks it to the point that it's cast out, and we begin to see the true healing and unity that God intended for us all along. Patriots, keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil, never relent, always press into the fight. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And in the end, God will always win. But we are here in this time, in this place, for just such a time as this. We are at war. So walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Subdue the enemy. Mission forward. Patriots, I'll see you tomorrow afternoon for Bended Knee. Until then, or until the next time, God bless. Good night. Thank you, and out for now. Oh, I want to feel something. I just want to breathe again. Dive into the deepest dead. Oh,